Hello, you are listening to episode 9 of I Don't Deserve a Podcast, What Happens After Finale, with special guest, Callan Shergold. Hey guys, Luke Peters here. Just a quick announcement before we jump into the season finale, uh, and that is for a band called Casey Roberts and Live Revolution. They are crowdfunding another album and a European tour right now. Uh, If you guys can go support them and check them out, that would mean the world to me. Uh, I will link some of their music and their crowdfunding uh, like Kickstarter. Um, So check them out. Thanks. just had like at the end of last jedi they just had some kid sweeping oh and, right like uses the force and you're like oh he used the force that's so great oh yeah i barely remember that i was still reeling from like the the crystal dogs or whatever they were the crystal foxes that was pretty cool I just didn't get it. Like, <laughs> that's so unnecessary. I like. Have you? Did you watch? The, they posted all the videos for like what they actually like. How much work it took to make them, and like it's just awful. They're like, we had to individually put all the hairs, and I'm like, why? Put that towards. Put that budget towards you the know, script. You could just be in a cave without animals. That's fine. Yeah. Impossible. <laughs> Impossible. How about raise the stakes with your writing instead of being like the creatures are running away. Follow them. Oh my god. Well, I'm recording that. This is okay. all this is all a bit. Welcome back to I Don't Deserve a Podcast. I'm here with the amazing, amazing Callan Shergold. You might know him from Orphan Black and from the new series on CBC Gem, uh, Ming's Dynasty. Callan, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Do you like that I just threw you into the, the deep end? Now I have you on credit <laughs> of saying that you don't like The Last Jedi. <laughs> I mean, I will say that anywhere. That's not really like dirt on me. Uh, well, I mean, speaking of dirt on you, no, um, no. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you about a few things today. Uh, the big idea is, I mean, we're on, we've come full circle. This is the final episode of the first season of the podcast. Uh, I made about eight, eight or so episodes. I have to go back and count, uh, so maybe I deserve a podcast at this point. We, we don't, we can't really tell, but the reason I wanted to bring you on is to talk about like finales and finality of being a creator. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Cowan is a writer, director, and producer of, uh, well, he did a bunch on this project, uh, Ming's dynasty, uh, with, um, with your buddy, Anthony Hall. Um, and, you guys pitched it, right? And then got it approved, and now it's on CBC. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long road, but also our timeline is really fast. You know, Anthony and I have only been performing as White Wine and Young Riesling, the the main characters in Ming's Dynasty, for less than three years. Yeah. So it's been a really uh, quick path, um, and we're really lucky. But... Uh, you know, not without a lot of hard work and stops and starts and failures. And, you know, even now it's like, okay, the show's out. What's next, you know? Yeah. Do you find yourself like, I mean, we're going to touch on that a little bit more, like that process. But do you find yourself um, like after coming back from doing the show, performing in kind of the same venues that you did before the show? Or did it really like change the kind of uh, perspective uh, shows? I think it's um, it's really early days. There, there, I think there's a certain buzz around White Wine and Young Riesling because we have our own show. Yeah. But that's just within like the comedy community. It's like people that already knew us. So yeah. trying to translate to that that excitement and that buzz to like an audience beyond just people we know, that's the that's the struggle for any any creator. I think is oh. g- getting it beyond your your own community. So. That's that's kind of where we at, and and that being said, I don't think much has changed because we've always had the support of the community. Yeah, and um, seeing the episode, like I've seen, I've saw the pilot, and it it definitely feels like a passion project gone right kind of thing. Like you guys seem like you really care about it. There's a lot of really 
good like there's a lot of in- intricacies that you see that you'd only know from actually like going and performing like rap and like actually going out to these venues and like seeing it like there's a great shot where you're leaving a venue and you still have your glass like from the from the bar and it's just so funny because you're just like on the street like drinking and like i've done that so many times where you're like on the high of like the show and you're just like that <laughs> i still have this <laughs> and it's just small things like that where it's like you, you only know that from actually being in that position you know well, that scene in particular, I don't think much thought went into that other than me just being like, I want my character to cheers the CN Tower. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my like thoughtful like story. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, just wanted to but cheers also, the like, CN Tower. I, it, it does establish like our, our characters. You know, White Wine is more of the crazy... Um, you know, wild card character and, and Anthony is the, is the straight man. Yeah. Um, so for me to be a bit drunk and stumbling around well, well, Anthony's getting like a really important phone call, like kind of sets up our dynamic. Yeah. And that, I think that's probably one of the, the cooler like scenes. Cause it's like, you have a very fun show, but there's a lot of heart behind it, which I think is really like hard to do is, is get those two, those two sides of it where you very quickly set up an A plot and a B plot of A plot. We want to be rappers. B plot. I have to go back and work for my dad. Like it's, it's really well done. And I want to touch on that a little bit on the idea of like drama and and comedy and, and taking a project seriously. Do you find like, cause you have like an improv and like a, and an acting background. Did you find you had a hard time switching into that? Like, this is a serious show. We have to carry an arc through everything. I, I don't really believe in like such rigid categorization of drama and comedy. And I recently did a, a workshop with a casting director and there was all this talk of, oh, like comedy so hard. And like, it's no more difficult than drama. Like each, each end of the spectrum, you're trying to elicit a specific response. And with like making comedy, I've, I've always wanted it to be personal, personal to me. And yeah. part of my process and my way of thinking is, is this, like in my life, nobody makes me laugh harder than my brother. And that's because we share all the same trauma, all the same experiences for many, many years and have that history to tap into. So there's an emotional resonance that, and a connection between my brother and I that I don't have with anyone else. Yeah. So like when we get laughing, like we laugh so hard and I, I don't know if it's like that with you and your siblings or your family, but like, yeah. that's the kind of relationship I want to set up with my audience. I want them to be emotionally connected. I want them to see themselves in the experience that we're, we're putting on screen. Yeah. And if they're emotionally invested, they're going to, when the laughs happen, they're going to be a lot more impactful. Oh, for sure. I, I always think about like my relationship to my brother because nobody makes me laugh harder than my brother. And I think the reason is we grew up together. We shared so many experiences and so much trauma together that we kind of just get it on another level and nobody else can make me laugh like that. And I don't know if it's like that with you and your siblings. Yeah, but no, like, I, I totally get that. Like with, uh, and I think it's another thing. It's, it's, the jokes are so specific to you guys that no one even understands the jokes and why you're laughing, but like you're, you're losing. Yeah. It. And you can create that sort of private language with your audience. Oh, for sure. That's, I think the root of fandom, you mm-hmm. know, when you like meet another fan of something, you're like, Oh, we speak the same language. Yeah. And that's why it's so exciting and emotional because it is a connection. Well, it's so funny that you mentioned fandom because it's one of my, probably the, the most obscure jokes that me, me and my brother do is from the Phantom Menace, the the hit Star Wars film, and uh, we just pretend to be Watto, the guy who's selling them uh, the 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 ship parts, and it's just no one has any idea. It sounds probably vaguely racist now uh, that I think about it. Yeah, yeah, just like there's definitely certain neighborhoods in Toronto you don't want to do that voice. No, <laughs> no, but it's just like it's like the, I totally get it. It's like having that connection with someone where it feels so sincere. And I think that's a big thing with Ming's Dynasty is it feels really like you're telling a really sincere story that a lot of people in the city kind of go through. It's your kind of journey versus your family's journey and your family's journey for you. And I think we're like, we knew we were asking our audiences of a lot, uh, 
because you know we're two like Toronto man's rappers, you know, still fam, like you know, for real. And if if we were to ask people to spend time with people that are like you know that gregarious and like you know kind of borderline cultural appropriation stuff you have to like these people yeah there has to be a reason for you to watch the show yeah and and i think it is a bit niche in terms of like our our source material yeah but not to a point where it's isolating and i think that was really something that i'm proud of how we navigated that because i don't feel like we lose our audience because of going too deep down a specific rabbit hole with references and stuff yeah i think it's really interesting you brought up that like homage and the the specific niche like uh i've been watching letter kenny which is which is an amazing really relevant show i don't fit that niche of any of the characters really on that show i don't live i have never lived in a small town i've never worked on a farm like but there's something about the characters and and the growth of everything like it's sincere. Like you're telling sincere stories. And maybe if you specifically don't know these characters, like, you know, someone who does like, or you're not specifically these characters, you know, someone who is. Yeah. Yeah. I want people to look at my character, white wine and be like, Oh, I know this guy. Yeah. Like I know somebody like him. I went to high school with that guy Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think that if you can if you can find that piece of familiarity with your audience, it's like it pays off in a really big way. And and especially when you're writing comedy, uh, it pays off in laughs because they're emotionally invested. For sure. And I think the big thing with that too is just like you have these two really, really cool characters where I think a lot of people will see themselves in Anthony's character in uh, Young Riesling uh, being like oh man, like I have to deal with this dude every day, but like, he's my best bud. Like, I love this guy, but yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, you just kind of look over and like the, the cat's knocked over the glass or, or if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I think with our character dynamic, the stakes are not nearly as high for white wine. Like white wine really doesn't have anything to lose. Yeah. Uh, but everything to gain, I suppose. Oh yeah. Uh, as where, as where Anthony is like really caught in the middle of like, trying to manage the the responsibility of being there for his family and you know paying the bills and keeping you know everyone's heads above water uh while trying to become a rapper um and i think that's you know kind of the the millennial struggle is that is that uh relatable experience of being like do i chase my dreams or do i just try to please my family yeah and i think that that's something that I mean, I don't want to get too too real in this, but maybe I do. Uh, I think that's something that a lot of creatives go through is that process of like, hey, like you could go follow X, Y, and Z to appease your family, but then where does that leave you? Like, I compare myself. Do you know like the uh, like the saying like the brains of the family and he's the brawn kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm neither of those. My brother is all of, uh, and so there's a running gag in with me and no one else in my family where, uh, basically my brother plays rugby. He's in computer engineering, uh, or comp- uh, yeah, computer engineering and like, just like all those things. But then I'm like, I got improv, I got this. And it's like, you have to like, I mean, we're going to talk about it later on the show about, about the, the feeling like an imposter in your own life. But like, do you find yourself thinking about your kind of journey and thinking about where it could have gone differently? And like, if you could have like gotten more, not necessarily money, but like a a different route quicker. Do you know what I mean? Or was this kind of the route that you were kind of feeling? This is already incredibly fast. Yeah. In terms of developing something, getting it shot, getting it cut together, releasing it on a platform that when CBC came on board as a distributor, that happened one day before we went to camera. Like, that's insane. That is insane. Uh, you know, so, like, I think I think Anthony and I are, like, incredibly fortunate that, you know, the wind has been in our sails. And, like, yeah. I think it also speaks to just, you know, really it being a good idea. Yeah. Because, like, we'd never, like everyone's just kind of said yes to us. Mm. We've, we've, we faced very little rejection. 
you know, not to say that we haven't because we've certainly like had bombed and we've had, you know, we had a meeting with an agent in Los Angeles and then he didn't want to take us on and like, you know, that sucks, but it's all part of the process. And to be honest, it's kind of all I know. I mean, I've been, I've been pursuing showbiz since I was 17. Yeah. Um, I've, I've never had like a plan B uh, I've always had like a way to pay the bills and a job and a way to sustain myself, but I've never not been doing this. Yeah. And I think that that's the big thing where it's like a lot of people like, and I, I even found that because I worked like a day job and this kind of comes full circle to the first episode, which is literally was a day after I quit my job. I started recording this, this show or like pretty close to it. Um, and so that idea of like having, going all in. And I think that you, you're totally right. There is like this momentum to it once you get it. But did you ever find that there was like a time when it was really slowing down and you kind of questioned it or was it always kind of, there was never, there was never like this epiphany moment where I was like, Oh, I'm all in. Yeah. It's always been my process. Like it's how I, it's how I exist in the world is through, making art to communicate it's what I've always done I've been very fortunate that like my family's supported that and and never been like you got to get a real job I've never faced any of that Mm -hmm. in 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 my in my path but like you know I've had you know probably hundreds and hundreds of auditions that I haven't gotten the parts for yeah you know it's just you know, people saying no to you is, is, is a part of the process and you have to accept that. But, you know, the only person who can really say no in your life is yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, that's your, that's like the whole idea of like your whole, your biggest critique is yourself kind of thing. Um, you're talking about kind of just the journey that has like came with like young, with the show, with Ming's Dynasty. I wanted to go back a little bit and talk about, uh, you were on a show called Orphan Black. So talk to me about your kind of experience with Orphan Black versus your, your show. Um, I think like when you're, you're hired as an, like there's a big difference between being like a creator of, of something mm-hmm. versus like being an actor on something. And, um, I had a really fortunate experience on Orphan Black where, I went from being a character who was supposed to be in one one scene of one episode uh, in season three. They and then they brought me back in season four, and the character just kept growing. And then in season five, I was in eight episodes, and and they even commissioned me to write a rap song for episode eight of season five that I got to perform on the show. Yeah, like that's crazy. That's insane. But it's also like I think you know, just a a testament to like the collaborative nature of like making film and TV, you know, like everyone kind of brings something special to the table. And if you have the opportunity to like showcase people's skills, like why not? So I guess my, like the big question of the show and kind of the culmination of, of all these episodes is you, I'm sure have been working with collaborating with, hundreds and hundreds of different people from LA, from Toronto, from all over the place. Uh, do you ever feel like you don't deserve some of the stuff that's happened to you? Do you ever feel kind of like you have to take a step back and and be like, you know what? No, I, I deserve what, what it's happened to me. I think everyone has those moments of, um, of doubt and, and, you know, reevaluating your choices and all of that. And, um, you know, I I don't want to I don't want to go like too personal with 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 this, but you know, I uh, at the beginning of the year, my relationship of over seven years dissolved, and then next you know my I was on a path to you know you know within the next few years was get married, have kids, yeah. and now I'm back in Toronto and I'm a rapper. Like that's insane. Yeah, it's a different. <laughs> like, yeah, I went from being like potential stay-at-home dad to like i have my own show and spit bars you know yeah (laughs) yeah no it's uh it's definitely an interesting like relationships regardless of of their kind of demeanor like be it business be it anything 
have a huge influence on like your drive and your, your kind of creation. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's, you have your ups and downs, you have things that affect your journey, but they're all just parts of parts of the adventure almost. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I think we all put so much stock in, in validation coming from others and, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, I think so much of, of how we define success is directly linked to economics. Like how much money did you make doing this? That's always Mm -hmm. like the first thing my mom wants to know when I book something. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's never been about money to me. Like we, we, what we were able to achieve with the resources we had for Mings is incredible because like everyone was pulling favors yeah, and believed in it. And we made something out of nothing. And I'm so proud of that. But I think just in terms of like going back to that idea of like, you have to love the process of whatever you're doing creatively yeah. or otherwise. Yeah. Cause if you don't, if you don't like the day to day of it, then what are you doing? Exactly. Cause it's like, I, I mean, again, I'm going to, I'm bringing it up as much as I can. Like the whole process of this podcast started because I quit my day job to pursue media full time. And that idea of like, do I deserve to be doing this? Do I deserve to be in this industry? Do I deserve to be, like do they need another another white guy in in the industry kind of thing um and so i wanted to try to chat about that idea where it's like you you guys you guys fucking did it like you guys put out a show you got picked up by cbc and now it's out there it's out in the world so like you almost have like this this idea of finality where it's like you worked so hard to this goal and yeah, sure. There might be another season. There might be other projects down the line and you're still rapping and and creating stuff. But what was it like to not necessarily hit send, but to metaphorically hit send on the project and have it go out into the world? Um, it was kind of interesting, you know, like the, the, the whole buildup to actually like, seeing it on cbc gem and it being out in the world for people to to watch was like incredibly exciting and it was such a high like getting there and then you know a few days after it came out i was like i was bummed i was like i was like what's next you know yeah and i think that kind of connects to this idea of like do i deserve this what does this mean blah 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 but i think looking at at everything that you achieve creatively as, as like a, a something that has like a, a beginning, middle and an end is kind of problematic because I honestly believe that, you know, Anthony is like my best friend. We'd be doing this regardless, yeah. you know, like if we didn't have the, the, the series under our belt or whatever, we'd still be rocking shows around Toronto yeah. as, as our characters. It's, it's what we love to do. Like for sure. We, it came from such a real place for us. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, but so you, you, but you had that kind of like moment of like, man, like this is like, you had almost like a low, like feeling like, oh man, like this is. Well, it's like, it's like a, it's a moment that, that like is going to be a, such a huge part of my story in my life being like, wow, that was the day my show came out. Yeah. My like original show that I made. Yeah. I made that. It's so cool. But you know, once you do it, there isn't this, there isn't, at least not for me, there wasn't this, like, I've done it. Yeah. Feeling. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel, I feel that a lot. There was two basic big moments in my kind of journey. It was, I was on a talk show as a guest, which was huge. And I did a lecture tour across Europe and both of those, when I got back and when I finished it, nothing from it. I didn't book any more things. I couldn't do, like, after I got back from Europe, I wasn't able to book any lectures, even though I had that under my belt. And it feels, you don't, you don't even almost, like, it's, for a second, you forget about why you did it. And you're like, oh, man, this sucks. But then you're like, I did something awesome. Like, I created something really cool. And those, there's nothing that anyone can take that away from you. Yeah. And I think those moments um, in life where you do achieve something you've set out to do deserve a celebration, mm-hmm. a big pat on the back. But they also 
should come with a swift, swift kick in the ass to be like, keep going. Yeah, exactly. You don't run out of steam kind of thing. Well, not even don't run out of steam, but it's just like, remember why you love this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like, you know, you have to stay in love with your practice, whatever it is. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't believe it necessarily has a beginning, middle and an end, you know, like I've always been a creative person and I've always been making stuff. And now I've, I've been given the opportunity to do it on a bigger scale. Um, but I think one of the, the, the greatest takeaways from this whole experience has been just working with other people and yeah. trusting others and putting, you know, like something that, that like, you know, really, really kind of sharing the, the creation of yeah. it to make something better. I, I don't know. I, 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 ca- I came from a background in standup. Yeah. And uh, stand-up is so solitary, and it's a one-sided conversation. Yeah. And uh, for the longest time, I wasn't booking roles or anything. And it wasn't because I was a bad actor or anything to do with that. It was that I was not a great collaborator. Mm. Because I just didn't have the skills of like working with others. And then I started taking improv, and then, boom, I started booking. It was like... I switched gears from trying to make myself look good to making other people look good. And that's what people And want. then you end up looking good at the same time anyway. Yeah, so you're it's being like, supportive, yeah. And when you're starting out as an actor, all of the parts you're going to get are supporting. Yeah. So you better be good at making other people look good. Yeah. That's actually really interesting. So, I mean, again, we're going to... I'll touch on this one more time. Like, So I guess the easiest way to ask this is, switching from a supporting character on orphan black to being the star of the show with Ming's dynasty. How did that feel for you as an actor, like taking out the creative side of it just as an actor there outside of outside of like the, the marquee, you know, having my name being like, you know, moved up on the call sheet. There's no difference. Like all, all acting is, is supportive. Yeah. If it's not, then like, I don't, I don't get, I don't, I don't get it, (laughs) you know, like, yeah. And especially for, for white wines character, like he loves young Riesling like that. That's his, that's his fam. Yeah. And and, like he would go to the ends of the earth for him. Um, and I think that comes through in, in the show in a, in a, in a very relatable way because like Anthony and I are best friends and like, it isn't an easy process to make something, uh, with 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 someone you're close with, yeah, like, it's a really it can it can have really challenging moments, and and you have to, it's like any relationship, it takes work, um, yeah. But I think because you know it's coming from like a real relationship, translating that to what happens on screen, like it's it's not that different, no. And, and like I really don't, I I believe like White Wine is a supporting character, yeah, just as much as Young Riesling is a supporting character for White Wine. And like, yeah, because it's like, yeah, the idea of like supporting each other, like I, I come from like I came from an improv background, too. And you, you see that like you don't you don't look funny unless you're making the other person look funny, like in, unless you're making the other person look good. Yeah. And I think that that's a really interesting way. And especially because you're talking about collaborating and, and, and being able to have that collaborative role on Orphan Black and then kind of having your own show moving forward. Um is there any like moments that you think really stand out in regards to the creative process on uh, what's it called on Ming's dynasty? Like any moments that like you really kind of took a step back and really like had to think about it, think it through. There's one scene uh, in particular that really stands out on me out at me um, when we were shooting it. Um, Cause things always change. Like the way you, it is on the page and the final product. Like it's mm-hmm. very rare for that to be a straight line. Yeah. Um, so Anthony and I were shooting this scene where I'm pretending to read from a fortune cookie and I use like, you know, a stereotypical offensive Chinese accent. Yeah. And in the script, Anthony's character has zero reaction to me doing that. And we were shooting the scene as written. Yeah. And there was just a vibe on set where everyone was like, this isn't funny. Like, yeah. this isn't cool. This, this, it's just not right. Yeah. And so 
Anthony kind of pumped the brakes on it, which was the best thing he could have done. And then we talked and I was like, well, like, how would you react if I spoke to you this way? And he's like, I tell you to stop. And that's exactly how we shot it. Yeah. And I love that scene for so many reasons that are like personal to me. But but I what I really like about it is that it takes something that, you know, could feel really like luxury, like a moment of being like, don't speak like that because it's this, this, and this, and this, and this. It's just like a simple moment. He's like, yo, don't use that voice. Yeah. And I stop. Yeah. And we move on. Yeah. Like, I think that's much more real and a much better way to like learn than to, to make, you know, to be like so severely punished or feel so awful about something. Yeah. And I think the cool thing about that is it's such a quick scene that, from the audience, like, you're like, that That was a nice moment. Because it's like, hey, like, don't, like, they're best friends, but they're going to call each other out on their shit. Yeah. And, like, the whole, the whole, like, pursuing moments are just hilarious and super, like, dorky and funny. But in that moment, you have, like, a real moment. Like, you have a real sincere situation happening, you yeah. know? And, and I think generally because the you know this is an art imitates life situation with with ming's dynasty in, in in such a major way because anthony grew up with his family running a chinese restaurant in small town alberta this comes from a very real place for anthony and it comes from a very real place for for both of us in that we're trying to be artists yeah and, and make a living and make a career out of out of you know being funny it's 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 like it's it's not an easy path did you did you find yourself almost like I forget the name of the the situation, but like it almost becoming too meta where like some of like the things like that you'd written kind of hit you too hard or something like seeing something like a, a joke or like a, a, a scene that Anthony has written. And you're like, oh, man, that like literally happened to me. This is this is too much. Uh, well, I was literally going through a breakup and we have a scene in the show that is a essentially a breakup yeah so that was kind of a parallel that was was interesting i mean it made for a really strong scene <laughs> but uh, it was not really acting yeah and i remember like after like a few hours after we shot that scene um kitty coon who plays uh anthony's mom in the show yeah uh, who i do that scene with came up to me like hours later and was like are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Totally fine. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> but, um, but I think we, we, we made the show that way. You yeah. know, we wanted to tell a story that meant something to us and yeah. we just kept it real. And it kept happening and kept going. And it just, I mean, there's so many really, like I only got to watch the first episode, but there's so many like amazing moments that even just from that first scene they're almost like all these little like small little bites of just this is something that someone's been through this is something that i've been through and and kind of going back to what we were talking about but i guess the big kind of final question is is like if you're a creator if you're trying to make something can you just kind of go through the process of what you actually had to do to get that show on on cbc sure um so i guess you know, grassroots level. Yeah. It was Anthony and I becoming friends. And, um, we, we, when I, I started performing as white wine within my, the context of my stand up. Mm -hmm. So it was like a solitary thing. And I was booked to do a show and I was supposed to do stand up, but I, it was like a backyard kegger in the middle of summertime. And I was like, nobody's going to listen to my jokes. They're going to be, too drunk and distracted so music is a better choice for this this venue yeah and so i decided to perform as white wine and anthony was there and i needed somebody to run my beats off of a laptop and he had his computer with him and he volunteered because anthony loves hip-hop and yeah and uh so he queued up my beats for me and then at the end of the show he was like yo if you ever want me to do that again like i'd love to and so we did a handful of shows where Anthony was like my DJ. Yeah. It was more of like a Paul Schaefer Letterman kind of yeah. arrangement. Um, 
but it really wasn't long until we realized like this is a duo we're yeah. both in the spotlight we're both front row center this is like a 50 50 thing that's so sweet and from there uh my friend uh, julian dezadi who is a co-creator of ming's design ming's dynasty um Ming's dishonesty. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> Ming's dishonesty. Um, he So Julian uh, is an old friend of mine, and uh, he came to watch Anthony and I pr- perform at our, our, our... So Matt Daly is our music producer okay. for, for Ming's and all things White Wine and Young Riesling. Yeah. And I guess it was last year he had a album release. And he had us open for him at his at his um, oh wow at his at his concert, and Julian came out to watch us, and he was like, "This is awesome. We got to do something with this." And then Anthony quietly goes, "Well, he's like, well, I've always had this like idea that like, what if I had to drop everything to go back home and run my family's Chinese restaurant?" And we're like, "What? This is this is this is amazing." And that's so sweet. But I can honestly say, like, we would not be here had julian not shepherded us yeah and like he really took the reins because he knows how to write like we we are we are first time writers uh without julian we were completely lost and also julian is a brilliant producer he uh was one of the co-creators of whatever linda which was a, a brilliant web series made uh several years ago yeah that was financed through the independent production fund so he kind of knew the ropes as a producer and also how to work with very limited resources. And uh, anyway, he really wrangled us in, and we applied to this thing called the Kojiko Development Fund, and we ended up getting the grant for that. And uh, that allowed us to shoot our original teaser trailer, which put us in really good shape to apply to the Independent Production Fund. And then uh, we made it to the second round of the IPF, and then we ended up getting that. And uh, we also had a production company attached, uh, Touchpoint Films, which is now uh, Hade Saffer. Um, and we also had uh, Mike Peterson um, with 735 Media Corps out in Alberta come on board. So one of the biggest strategic things that happened for the show to become a reality was that like, we had a Toronto producer and we had an Alberta producer. And we had like the actual... like boots on the ground and the two different places we need to make it happen did you so did i i mean i don't know the the history of the production just to switch gears real quickly did you so was it mostly filmed in alberta and then there's some toronto segments or is it we literally of- shot filmed for less than four hours in toronto the rest oh, wow. the, the rest all of the series takes place in in alberta wow yeah there the the title sequence is, is quite fun of you guys walking around it's great yeah well yeah. we went to coldale alberta which is anthony's hometown oh wow uh, where the show takes place so we filmed in calgary for for and and longview alberta for the rest of the show and then we did kind of a day off the books where we just drove to coldale and did a bunch of b-roll stuff because we like we felt it was essential to be like this has to feel like coldale for the people that you know, are from Coldale. Yeah. And, and for Anthony, like, it's his story. Like, it's got to feel legit. Mm-hmm. So you 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 pitched the idea. You got the second round. You got into the I, uh, the it's IPF, right? IBS. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, then what, what happened next? What When did uh, CPC come into play? So uh, Julian has uh, some contacts with, with CBC, and, and he had been floating Mings around with them for a while, and they were kind of you know, lukewarm about it. <laughs> and then, and then uh, we were serendipitously able to cast Andrew Fung uh, from Kim's Convenience in a cameo. Um, and Andrew's originally from Alberta, so yeah. he was, he's, he's like, he reps Calgary hard. And he was so happy to support the project and be a part of it. And he just happened to be in Calgary when we were shooting. And then we That's basically awesome. we told CBC being like, hey, we got one of your guys from Kim's Convenience. And they're like, we'll take it. We love this show. Uh, so that was pretty much um, our strategy with CBC was being like, CBC, uh, I'm not speaking ill of them. Don't take this the wrong way. But they they uh, they need familiarity like yeah. and there there's a track record right like yeah you know kim's is a very successful show yeah 
and we were so lucky to have andrew be a part of it and he had a blast i assume yeah yeah he he his cameo is great you gotta you gotta keep watching yeah no i'm going to i'm I, it's on <laughs> and, it's on and the hopefully queue. and hopefully it's not just a cameo like we would love to flesh out his character in in, in season two yeah i'm really excited to watch more of it it's a it, it's a really really cool concept and great show so you basically just kind of like asked every favor you 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 pulled every string and, and it all kind of came together i guess yeah and our team out in calgary was just so phenomenal like everybody like i don't know i think you know the wind was in our sails because people just they get it like it's not it's it's a really relatable story and, and i think you know people just were passionate and cared so they they were there's a whole lot of yes and to for second city listeners yeah for for the improv for the improv teams um yeah because it sounds like such an amazing amazing process that you went on like it like uh like right like right up to the end like it must have seemed so fast yeah i mean um there were there were moments where it, you know it's a bit of a slog and you have to meet deadlines and produce scripts and actually do the work. Um, but by the time Anthony and I got to Calgary to shoot, like our job switched gears. We were like, okay, the scripts are written. All we have to do now is prepare and do be the best actors as we can be. Yeah, and we really, I really got to give it up to our director Matt Eastman for like you know steering the ship because he just he came to it with such a vision and 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 ambition like what we were able to shoot in 12 days is insane yeah did you shoot so you shot the entire series in 12 days yeah that's incredible yeah and so how many episodes are like all said and done how many episodes are, are, are uh there's six episodes and uh, all together it comes in at just under an hour long oh wow yeah that's pretty incredible yeah um so I guess the last thing I want to ask you is because this is the end of the series, because this, or at least for this Don't season, say that. <laughs> no, for, for, for my podcast. Okay, okay. For my podcast. <laughs> it's going to crash and burn. Season uh, one. Season one is done uh, with you. Um, and I want to ask you the question of what do you think you need to do as a creator to feel fulfilled? in the industry what do you like any tips you can give our audience if someone's feeling kind of that self-doubt that that lack of confidence that that anxiety that fear of failure what what tips can you give them see someone who has a show on cvc and has made their web series um i i really think it's it's important to stay connected to why you ever dipped your toes in the water in the first place and ultimately like you have to keep yourself happy. If you're if you're miserable in this business, then it's probably not for you. And uh, it it's a vibe that you give off if you like walk into an audition feeling like having an attitude of being like ah I'm probably never gonna get this. That's not you bring that into the room with you. Yeah. And I and I think you know at least for me I think one of the things that keeps me uh, creatively stimulated is Brantford, <laughs> like where I came from. I always city of dreams. Yeah, city of broken dreams. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> no, roasted. Brantford is uh, Brantford. You know, I I used to do this bit in my stand up where I was like, "Oh, Toronto makes fun of Hamilton, and Hamilton makes fun of Brantford, and Brantford makes fun of Brantford." <laughs> so that, that was a sincere laugh you guys maybe i don't deserve a podcast <laughs> but um i think you know coming up as like being a really creative person in in branford it, it really has like been a big part of my identity and anytime that i'm like in need of inspiration like i just i just try to connect to my roots like i can connect to my family my friends uh where i came from and like what that means to me it's probably like the most hip-hop mantra you know it's like rep rep where you're from but it's it's kind of true i for at least for me anyway so i guess like just to add like to kind of close off that like yeah like follow find why you started doing it and and stick to your roots like those are two really amazing yeah and i think experimentation is is a huge part of 
of of finding success like i think there's so much pressure put on us in our in our lives and that comes early of being like you have to figure out what you want to do yeah nobody knows what they want to do well yeah like that's my big thing like and that's something that i really believe in is like that idea of like and this is kind of a good lesson to end the season on really is like i have no audio background i don't i literally bought this for bought the audio the podcasting equipment to record shows and it became this like big huge thing and like a really really amazing place for me to reconnect with awesome creators like you and and other all my amazing guests i've had so far but my big thing is find something that you're passionate about not necessarily something that you're talented and you don't have to find just one thing you're passionate about exactly try it i think I, I hover between so many disciplinary boundaries as a creator mm-hmm. that that has been one of my greatest strengths is I've never worried about trying to like fit into a particular category. Yeah. And Ming's is a perfect example that celebrates that. Like I get to write, I get to rap, I get to act, I get to, you know, I made props for the show. I did a little bit of everything. Yeah. And that like, you know, there's that saying, you know, well, jack of all trades, ace of none. Yeah. I hate that expression. Like, yeah, it's brutal. I take jack of all trades any day. Yeah, there's um, there was a very short time after I while I was working like the retail job, where I was like, I want to go into advertising because I really enjoyed it when I was like trying to apply, and then I ended up going to media production because I thought it'd be more broad. But the reason I bring that up is in advertising and in a bunch of different fields, they talk about T skills, which is you're really good at one thing and okay at two things that are kind of attached to it so that you have a little versatility. Mm-hmm. I'm not a T. I'm, a, I'm like a fucking line. I'm like adequate at so many things that at this point, like you could just be like, hey, Luke, can you help me with this? And I'm like, yeah, I could probably figure that out. But again, I'm not going to be the most amazing thing at it, but yeah. it's something that I care about and I'd love to collaborate. Yeah, I guess that makes me like the alphabet, but with dyslexia, you know? It's like, <laughs> you what? Know? <laughs> that's a, it's a, I don't know, that's how I'm imagining myself in like that idea of like yeah. being like a T who's good at two other things. But it's like, we're all alphabets, you know? Yeah, we exactly. all have, we all know the alphabet, uh, but we might be better at writing certain letters. Yeah. But that's, you know, but you need to know all the letters. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a big, a big thing to to end off on. Like, like we have eight or so episodes of this. I don't have an audio background, you guys. I literally use GarageBand, and now I'm just starting to use other programs. So, like, take a break, take a breath, and find something you care about, not necessarily something you're good at, and just have fun. Like, at the end of the day, you had a blast filming Mings. Like, yeah. you had a blast being on, on Orphan Black. I had a blast recording this episode, you you goobers. <laughs> Is that what you call your listeners? <laughs> Listen up, you goobs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll retcon it in. I'll put it in all the episodes. <laughs> all of a sudden, it's just week. goober, goober, goober throughout the whole series. I'm just like uh, I'm gonna George Lucas it up. It's just like uh, uh, like it doesn't fit in. But you're like, yeah. Talk oh. about somebody who has imposter syndrome. Jesus, yeah, Christ. Christ. I don't <laughs> think it's good. I don't think it's good. I think my favorite quote from not necessarily quote, but line from him was just like, um, I didn't have the technology to make it then. I can make it now. And I'm like, you uh, made a good film, yeah. George. That's, that's exactly like you know that kind of connects to like one of like my you know, you do have the technology. Yeah. You, you just like, there is a path to taking an idea from your brain and putting it out into the world. Yeah. You know, it may not happen in, in, in a way that you expect or at a scale that you hope for, but it doesn't matter. Like if you have that impetus to, to create, you have to, you have to follow that. Follow your dreams. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's all, you know, like there, there's so many like, cheesy mantras but they all they all have heart and they all have a reason yeah well i mean thank you so much for coming on the show uh and you're gonna be performing throughout the city this episode's going to come out like uh two in the math like september august 
Yeah, well, it'll be a perfect time to, uh, if you haven't watched uh, Ming's Dynasty by that point, fire up CBC Gem on your laptop or your phone and, and watch Ming's Dynasty. Yeah, and you're going to be performing like throughout the city, hopefully continuing Yeah, yeah, on yeah. And... We're going to keep on spreading the good word and White Wine and Young Riesling will be in a hood near you, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Uh, thank you so much. And is there anything that you, any shows that you want to plug or anything that you want to say at the end of the show? We're eight, nine episodes in. You have all all 12 listeners now. All of my mom's book club. Um, <laughs> something that I'm really in, that I just finished watching that I really enjoyed was uh, Pen15. Okay. Uh, it's on Hulu in the States and it's available on CBC Gem in Canada. Mm. It's... Uh, 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 two two women uh, who are the same age as me play, and I'm 31. Then they play themselves back in grade eight amongst actors who are actually like 12 and 13. That's amazing. It's brilliant. It's one of the most like it's one of the freshest things I've seen in a long time. And there, there's a lot of parallels to Ming's Dynasty that I that that like. I think that's probably why I like it so much. Yeah, but. but yeah, go watch Pen15. And then when you're done watching Pen15, keep on watching and watch Ming's Dynasty. Maybe, it's on, maybe on season two. All on CBC Gem. CBC Gem. All right. Thanks, Callan. Thanks for being on the show. And everyone, thank you for being here through the episodes. I know I don't deserve a podcast, but who knows? Maybe after all these episodes, I'm a little bit closer. I'll catch you all for season two. Thank you.